Hello and welcome to Runalyze This, India's first running podcast. This is Dharmendra, the producer and host for this podcast. This is a podcast with an Indian flavor for runners, wherever you may be around the world. I'm a running coach and freelance writer based out of Bangalore, India. I've been a runner for over 11 years now and started running only in my early 20s. However, as George Sheehan wisely remarked, I believe everyone's an athlete, some of us are in training, some of us are not. Over the years, I have evolved as a runner, learning as much as I can from fellow runners by reading online, reading magazines such as Runner's World, Running Times and Marathon and Beyond and of course from my own brilliant coach. And as I have improved as a runner, I have learnt a lot from my experiences with both beginners and experienced runners. Like a lot of other sports buffs, I also get excited when races happen worldwide and try my best to catch up on the results and performance of various athletes. I have realized that there is a need for a forum that would address the needs of the running community in India, especially for people who are too busy to get online or read email newsletters on what's happening in the world of running. This podcast is intended to be that forum to share my experiences and yours as well as exchange interesting facts and opinions on running. This podcast provides an opportunity to catch up on running events around the world and discuss various topics related to running, be it running injuries or running products that may be of interest to you. I aim to bring you up to date on the latest happenings in the running universe with a focus on Indians, discuss them and offer my opinion on a host of topics. I will also try and answer questions from listeners from time to time. The podcast will also discuss things around running, be it books about runners, music for runners, movies about runners and whatever else I think has even a mild connection to runners. I shall also focus on middle and long distance event and that means anything upwards of 800 meters all the way till ultra marathons. I mean, admittedly biased towards marathons, but I'll seek inspiration wherever I may find it. I'm also an unabashed fan of Kenyan and Ethiopian running, and my special love for Kenyans sprang out of a meeting with Paul Tergaard, the former world record holder for the marathon, when he was in Bangalore in 2007. Further, much like they have around the world, the Kenyans and Ethiopians have dominated the Mumbai Marathon's podium ever since it started. So much like much of my generation became fans of Maradona because he played such great football in the 80s and 90s. A lot of Indians are fans of Kenyans and Ethiopians at the marathon simply because they have dominated races worldwide over the last decade. So where shall we start? Given the timing of this podcast, the Olympics of course. Before we get down to discussing the current Olympics, I would like to spend a while discussing India's history at the Olympic marathon in particular. While popular media would lead you to believe that India has never had a participant in the marathon before the Montreal Olympics, if you do a little research, you will find out that India has actually featured in the Olympics from the year 1920 onwards. In the Antwerp Olympics in the year 1920, India actually had two participants out of a total of 48 participants, Sadashir Dathar and Fadepa Shangule. While uh, Dathar was amongst the unfortunate 13 who didn't finish the marathon, Fadepa finished in a very creditable 2 hours and 50 minutes. So India has a fairly reasonable heritage in the Olympic marathon. At the ongoing London Olympics, 
India has had three athletes in various running events. Tintu Luka, Sudha Singh and Ram Singh Yadav. Tintu was in the women's 800 meters. What were her chances? I didn't think she would make the finals given the gap between her personal best and those of her peers in the event. She needed to run out of her skin to just make the finals. But then the Olympics are nothing if not the stage for people to do extraordinary things. And she did make the semis running just under 2 minutes. She's one of the next big hopes for Indian distance running. But on this day, she wasn't just fast enough. I was rooting for her. I think you should too. Sudha Singh was the other Indian woman in the Olympics and she was in the 3000 meter steeplechase for women, a relatively new event for women at the Olympics, having been introduced only in 1984. She didn't have such a great day and finished poorly in the heats, with her timing well below even her own uh, personal best. The only other athlete India has had at the Olympics this year in a running event is Ram Singh Yadav, who is due to compete in the men's marathon. At the time of recording this podcast, Ram Singh Yadav is yet to run. Ram Singh Yadav's story thus far is fairly inspirational. As some of you may know, he failed to meet the qualifying mark for the Beijing Olympics and almost gave up running. However, he came back strongly in 2011, running just under 2 hours 17 minutes in the Mumbai Marathon and thus made the norm for the London Olympics. Considering the race that he ran is not exactly friendly to runners and is quite humid and warm, as I could testify from having suffered on numerous occasions, Ram Singh Yadav can only run faster in London if all goes well. His performance thus far is one of the reasons I believe Indian distance running, even for professionals, is only just getting started. Now why would I say that? As some of you may know, the men's qualifying mark in the marathon is about 2 hours and 17 minutes, which translates to around 30 minutes for a 10 km race. How many Indian men would exist in that kind of speed range? My guess is as good as yours, but I would think there are at least two dozen Indian men who can run that kind of speed. Similarly, the Olympic qualifying mark for women is 2 hours and 35 minutes, which is a 10k in about 33 minutes. So how many Indian women would exist in that range? You'd be surprised to know there should be quite a few given the national marks at the distance. The first step in this direction would be for India to fill all the six quota places, three men and three women in the marathon. So why aren't enough Indians chasing the marathon qualification for the Olympics? Now that's a story for another episode in the future, but it is something that I have a strong point of view on. While the presence has been modest in the middle and long distance events at the Olympics, my hope is that it's only going to get better. In a related way, there were three Indians in the 20km walk and another who had qualified for the 50km walk events. In the 20km walk, one of the three athletes we had actually set a personal best and featured as the ninth athlete in the event. While these are not exactly running events, I think our athletes in these events deserve all the encouragement. There was a nice little story in the Hindu about each of these four athletes and how not all of them had even been practicing their event for more than a few years. While India has had a fairly forgettable Olympics from a distance running standpoint, the two powerhouses of distance running, Ethiopia and Kenya, have continued their tradition of intense rivalry across events. While the women have brought in gold medals for the Ethiopians, for Kenya it's been the men. However, the medal tallies are pretty close to each other. And with two running events to go at the time of recording this podcast, it's quite possible that one of them may steal the march on the other. The performance of Tiki Gelana in the marathon, Messere Defar in the 5000 meters, and Tirnesh Dibaba in the 10,000 meters, as well as that of Ezekiel Kemboy in the 3000 meters steeplechase, have all no doubt been impressive. But by far the most spectacular performance of these Olympics 
has to be that of David Odisha's world record setting performance in the 800 meter finals. Not only did he break his own world record, but he also managed to inspire the other seven men competing with him to dip under a minute and 44 seconds, thereby making this the fastest 800 meter race in history. As statisticians have taken great delight in pointing out, Andrew Osaji, the Great Britain runner who was last in the finals, would have managed to win the previous editions of the 800 meter race at three of the Olympics with this time. As part of this show, under a segment called Runner of the Week, you will get to listen to some of the interesting personalities in Indian running who have contributed to the development of the Indian running community, such as Rahul Vaghi is the founder of Running and Living in Gurgaon, Rajesh Vecha of Hyderabad Runners, Daniel Vaz, Akaziko, who is the coach for the Nike Run Club in Mumbai in addition to his day job, Kavita who started the Bharti Lakes Ultra and others. However, the first guest on this show is deservedly the man who kick-started the running community in India by starting Runners for Life, Arvind Krishnan. Hi Arvind, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, this is the first episode of uh, this show and we thought it's appropriate uh, to get the man who started uh, Runners for Life, which has literally kick-started the running movement in Bangalore when it started and the rest of the country as it has grown over the last eight years. Uh, so Arvind, why don't you tell us how the uh, idea of Runners for Life was born? I used to run when I was in school, through college and every time I felt I had a few more kilograms than I needed. And uh, once the full life started about 10 years ago and 3 years into that, we realized that we are um, hewing true to our broad goal of getting people to do more with their lives. And that was perfect. But after a certain time, there was a bit of a vacuum in what are the things that they can do that they can keep up with in the long term. So I had this epiphany and I actually remember when and where I had it. I was uh, on a bike along with Sushil and we were in the outer ring road and I said, hey, you know, we should start a running community in the country and we can get people to start running and stay running. That's actually exactly how it started. And uh, from then to now, well, it's shown that... Uh, Pardon the pun, but it seems to have legs of its own and it's really gone from place to place. That's very interesting. Uh, and why did you choose Bangalore? I know that you studied in Bombay and you worked around the country, but why did you choose Bangalore? Because I was here. <laughs> <laughs> Malgri is going to roll over in his grave about that. But uh, because we were here, we were tethered here, the full life was already here. Right. Plus, you know, the... I think the question that Beg's asking is, what does Bangalore bring to running? Not what did we bring, uh, why did we get into it in Bangalore? Because in Bangalore what happened was, the weather is eminently amenable to running. Pretty much year round you can go running in the morning and it's fine. The rain is beautiful in that it times itself such that it will rain when there's peak traffic in the evening but at no other time otherwise. And it's uh, ridiculously bad for traffic, but ridiculously good for running. Exactly. And, uh, the, the, the roads uh, lend themselves to it. The number of parks is perfect. The fact that you have a lot of people in the, in the city who have come here after experiencing running in, let's say, different countries and understand uh, and have an insight into the broad running culture is perfect. Because when we started, we didn't know how many people would come for the first run. So the first run held at Madrakata Park was... Uh, 46 people and frankly I was very surprised because it was a 10k. It was quite 
surprising to me that 46 people would make their way at 6 a.m. on a March morning uh, and run 10k. And that was beautiful. So I think Bangalore aided and abetted our efforts wonderfully. That That's very nice. I can vouch for that. I was also there at the second run that Arifil did at Sarjapur. Yeah. And that was the longest I had gone in my life at that point in time. I ran 7.5 kilometers and I was quite kicked about it. Yeah, and since then we've had the Kaveri Trail Marathon, the Bangalore Ultra, which was India's first organized ultra, and now the Urban Stampede, which is uh, an event for corporates. And we don't know what the future years would bring. That's good. Now that you've uh, you know talked about how RFL was born and how Bangalore was chosen, which is seems like it was incidental. Why not tell us you know in the years that uh, you've seen RFL grow. Uh, how has running evolved in India? Because now RFL is organizing events around the country and is is an organizer of choice. So, uh, why don't you tell us, you know, how running has evolved in India? Very interestingly, it's evolved, I think. Because when we started, for example, in our first race, we had someone come up to me and say, you know, I'm going to do all the running. I'm going to do the hard work. Why are you charging me 200 rupees for the run? <laughs> and from there to where people currently pony up four-digit amounts for a race, from a business perspective, is is mildly fascinating. Also, if you think about running as now becoming more and more a sport of choice, I think it's at the nexus of several streams of thought. One, more and more people are discovering about their cholesterol levels when they're in their early 30s as opposed to <laughs> in their early 50s. And suddenly running becomes great. Two, Almost every other sport needs either infrastructure or more people for it. Running requires neither. It requires a pair of shoes, which likely you'll have no matter what sport you pick. And the roads are always there and they're open. So these two things work very well for running. So I see a massive adoption of running, specifically in, let's say, the people who are over the age of 30 who rediscover it rather than discover it. And used to do sport earlier and then know the, the trials and tribulations as well as the pleasures of running. So they get back over there. It's also evolved wonderfully when you consider the organizational landscape. When we started, we were the only people saying, okay, we want to be a running community. Now there are several running communities in several countries. On, on Runners for Life site alone, there are a hundred and odd groups which are spread all across the country. And these are bunches of people who probably meet themselves, meet each other every week and catch up and run and probably do their long run together. It's Great because now companies have also discovered running and therefore more money is flowing towards sport in general and running in particular, I think, over the last couple of years at least. And companies are beginning to support it for their own ends. They might want to um, sell more of their product and that's a perfectly valid reason to support the sport. And that's going places. Doctors have started recommending running and, and jogging. Earlier it used to be, please go for a walk every morning at 6 o'clock. Now it is, why don't you start jogging? Why don't you start running? It makes a difference because the average guy who is a overachiever sort or classical type A for lack of better words will say, I can't walk, but I can jog and I can run. And the moment you combine that intention with the fact that there are there's his first 5k at the urban stampede, then automatically the next question that this personality type will ask himself or herself is, what next? And then they go from the 5k to the 10 to the half to the full and to the ultra. And they understand and plug into this whole camaraderie that is there across all the runners. And lo and behold, you have a running movement happening. Okay. Now, I mean, we've discussed a lot about, you know, how running has evolved in the years that RFL itself has grown. Uh, where do you see, uh, you know, running in India 
say in the next uh, 10 years for example the us has a marathon almost every weekend there are over almost 400 races in a year organized marathons in which you can you know sign up go get a medal get a certificate which says what your timing was and india as of now all said and done has one really uh, very good brand in running which is the bombay marathon yes and then we have the bangalore ultra which is uh, a niche event because it's an ultra event it's largely a trail event yes and we have smaller events like the urban stampede which is just a 5k uh, relays when do you see india say see at least two dozen marathons where we have races around the year we have a bunch of smaller marathons you know in oroville in hyderabad but when do you really see india having a city marathon uh, in several cities say two dozen marathons uh, when do you see that happening not in the next 10 years i think in the current situation that i see and i think it's a fair prediction to say that uh, next 10 not in the next 10 years because there's a lot of local friction to organizing a road race in india the amount of permissions that you have to get to organize a 5 km race is frankly ridiculous we were organizing we were helping somebody organize the race in bombay and it turns out you have to get permissions from something like 15 places that means that if you're a race organizer you are either either extremely passionate or stupid or some combination thereof so i think that road races by themselves as in city marathons 24 city marathons i don't think we'll see it happen in the next 10 years and i, I think that's a fairly categorical statement uh, that i can make about it i think what you will see however is not a shortage of events because i think the gap that is left by the absence of big races will be uh, used suitably by companies and brands and niche events which will take place so that's it's easy right. to do a niche event let's say like the urban stampede we did yesterday with 1500 runners is conducted inside a property so there's no question of permission or any of that and no uh, you don't need to go and uh, talk to the cops or to anyone else to organize it and those events will blossom and every city can legitimately have it urban stampede is going to four cities this year right the puma urban stampede will be seen at at goa at uh, bombay at hyderabad and of course bangalore which got over yesterday but i think you will see events like that like the ultra which well i don't i hesitate to call it a niche event because it had 1000 people last year but i think you will see those kind of events growing at a much faster clip than you will see city marathons city marathons are really mammoth affairs they are not easy to do and i don't see too many people having the wherewithal one way or the other to conduct those races what i do see however is a explosion as far as smaller activities are concerned so you will have for example nike does the run nike run club which is early in the morning and people can go and train for free at kantirwa and just like that i see other companies doing things related to running sure and i think that will grow uh, faster than the big city eventually yeah that's interesting and in a way a little depressing uh because a while ago on the marathon talk podcast uh, this uh, sports writer called tony revis he was on the show and he made a novel suggestion saying that road racing itself has to be recognized as separate discipline because the way road races are run as opposed to other races is, is very different yeah. so it could become an event by itself considering india has just managed to send 1% to the olympics to run the marathon it's going to be a long while you know if we don't have enough avenues for these guys to practice and train uh it'll be quite a while before you know running picks up competitively in india because part of the reason that the us uh or even you know smaller nations like india which produce the elite athletes uh thrive is because there's no shortage of events for them to practice and target and train towards yes so i guess it'll be a while before that happens so just to 
disagree with you on one point. I mean, I was looking at the Olympics just like everybody else, and I do think that there is a point of inflection, let's say, in a country's sporting history where. people discover that a they have talents in a particular discipline and we know the huge linkage between genetic talent as well as success at something like let's say the olympics which is creme de la creme world's best as well as they realize the economic potential of something like that i actually believe that long distance and if you talk about let's say the 3000 meter steeplechase where you know it's not like india hasn't had a presence not at the olympics but of course at other races and i don't know about the olympics anyway so in those cases I think we will hit that point where people will discover that it is possible to aim for an Olympic gold or at least nation-busting status in the middle distances. Maybe not the marathons of the world where sure. the Kenyan genetic stock will um, rule primary or the Ethiopian's genetic code will uh, certainly guarantee a win. But I think in the middle distances. we have a fair shake at it and by fair shake i mean that i don't mean we'll see surprises at the next olympics or frankly even at the olympics after that but somewhere right now there is a 10 year old thinking that hey you know what i have seen the olympics now three olympics from now i'll be 22 or someone who's 14 now saying i'll be 26 that time that's a good age to win an olympic medal and since i'm already good at the middle distance maybe i should just start training for the 3000 meters steeplechase i think it's really possible i would be delighted this prediction was true and you know there are a lot of things that are uh, helping that right there is the olympic gold quest there is uh, so many organizations foundation saying hey you know we can do this i think india will discover that it has abilities in the middle distance area because look at the kind of people who will win in the middle distance right you apart from genetic stock you're talking about average high people long hard work cultural hard work uh, mostly carbohydrate diets so on and so forth we That's have correct. all of that it's not like we don't Will you win in twelve years? Well, time will tell. Yeah, maybe it's uh, an interesting thought for the Olympic gold quest to consider. You know, would they be investing in athletes uh, for the longer distances? Yeah, on that optimistic note, uh, we'll wrap up this interview with Arvin. Uh, thanks, Arvin. The pleasure is all mine, man. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Bye. The next segment of this show is what I call Ranchimas Report, which is basically a discussion of running products. For this show, we're going to discuss racing flats. For most of us amateur runners, once we begin to train more seriously in pursuit of running faster, every minute of improvement is hard-earned. One of the little tweaks which I made to my running upon the suggestion of my coach was to use different shoes for racing and training. Now, you may wonder whether a few grams does actually make such a huge difference to your racing. Admittedly, if you're on the heavier side and more than 10% above your racing weight, it might not make such a big difference to your timing. However, if you're as close to your ideal racing weight as you can possibly be without being unhealthy, then shoes do have a significant role to play in your racing, especially at shorter distances. Now, the discussion on racing weight itself is not without its complications, but we shall address that in a different episode. For now, let's talk about the world of racing flats. Most amateur runners won't even be aware that there are such shoes. Most conventional running shoes meant for training are usually around 10 to 12 ounces. About 350 grams each, due to the cushioning and structure of the shoe. In running terminology, there is what is called the heel-to-toe drop, which is basically the elevation difference between the heel portion and the toe portion of your shoe. Unconventional running shoes, such as minimal shoes, have barely any cushioning and are about half the weight of conventional cushioned running shoes. Racing flats are somewhat similar to conventional cushioned running shoes, but the heel-to-toe drop is much less than that of training shoes. As a result, they are really light. about half the weight of cushion running shoes they particularly suitable for racing distances up to 10 kilometers 
But just like you should take time and due care in getting used to minimal shoes, you should get used to racing flats gradually. Once you get used to them, they can confer a significant bump to your speed. I have used two brands of racing flats, one from New Balance called the 1400 and another series from ASICS called the DS Racers. While the 1400s don't have multiple width options available widely, the DS Racers are available in at least two widths. Both these shoes aren't available in India yet, but you may want to consider picking up a pair next time you have the opportunity to do so. Earlier in the show, I talked about the history of Indian participation in the marathon event at the Olympics. That information was almost entirely thanks to this wonderful little book called The Olympic Marathon by David Martin and Roger Jin. Okay, the book is not exactly little. The book is written with great love for running, appreciation for history and care for accuracy. It documents the marathons at the Olympics from the first edition in 1896 at Athens to the 2000 Olympics at Sydney. There are numerous interesting facts to keep you engaged while you read the book, including one about how a few historic Olympic venues are now the homes to famous football teams in Europe, or how the gold medal winner in a marathon in one edition of the Olympics failed to even finish the race in a later edition of the Olympics. I recommend this book strongly for those interested in reading a ton of interesting stories. From the time that I was a management student, to the time that I was an experienced management consultant and even till the present day, I've been a fan of Toyota for their pioneering role in advancing lean manufacturing. Now you may be wondering, what on earth does this have to do with the show on running? Well, surprising as it may be, it does. The two teams from Toyota Kirloskar Motors swept the top eight places in the corporate four-a-side relay at the Urban Stampede event organized by Runners for Life. Urban Stampede happens to be India's premier destination for corporate running. It had 1,500 participants from 375 teams from over 120 companies this year, which was the fifth year of the event. The Toyota teams ran a total time of just under an hour and 16 minutes and an hour and 17 minutes respectively and were almost a mile ahead at my pace, mind you, of the next team which happened to be, you guessed it, another Toyota, this one from an affiliate of Toyota. I managed to catch up with the fastest runner in the event who finished in around 17 minutes Turns out that Toyota has an internal competition globally for its various locations where top teams from across the world compete in a corporate relay event and the best of the Indian teams don't even finish in the top 50. All the runners from the Toyota Kirloskar Motor teams run as per a plan written for them by their own internal trainer and have their own track inside the Toyota campus. Now if you're a runner like me, Toyota would become an automatic employer of choice, right? Whew. Good luck trying to catch one of these guys. Now we come to the part of the show which is intended to help you plan your training calendar based on events worldwide. Since this is the first episode, I have only listed events in which I know fellow runners and some of my trainees are participating in. In the future, I shall list other events in which listeners of the show are expected to participate in. This will also help you catch up on the performances of various fellow runners. So do mail in details of how your races went, whether you set personal best, whether you featured on the podium, etc. In about two weeks, on the 26th of August, we have the Hyderabad Marathon, which also is a half marathon. In about five weeks, on the 16th of September, we have the Kaveri Trail Marathon, which is a two-day event featuring a 10K and a half marathon in addition to the full marathon. In seven weeks, on the 30th of September, we have the Berlin Marathon, the Airtel Delhi Half Marathon, the Wineglass Marathon in New York, Running and Living Shimla Half Marathon also. In 10 weeks, on the 21st of October, we have the TCS Amsterdam Marathon, which has a large Indian contingent. 
In about 13 weeks, on the 11th of November, we have the Istanbul Marathon, which is a charming race which runs across two continents. I look forward to hearing from you and wish you the best for your training and hope the weather gods smile on your race day. If it helps cheer you up, listen to the Marathoner's Prayer by Tony Audenshaw on the Marathon Talk podcast, which is an inspiration for this podcast. And with that, we come to the end of the first episode of Runalyze This. Thank you for listening. I hope to hear from you on your comments. If you're interested in supporting the show in some form, you can write to me at runalyzethis at gmail.com that is r-u-n-a-l-y-z-e-t-h-i-s at gmail.com The next episode is going to be a special on trail running. You will get to listen to some of the interesting personalities in trail running and ultra running in India, discuss the Kaveri Trail Marathon and other matters on trail running in India. Until then, goodbye. The information provided and opinions expressed on this show are based on the opinions and experiences of the participants. You should exercise due caution and consult your doctor before taking any action. Runalyze this assumes no responsibility for your actions based on listening to the show, which are assumed to be at your own risk. Dear, 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 dear,